1: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Attention, celebrity listeners. (laughs) hope that got your attention. Hey, everyone, this is Chuck. And as some of you have heard, I have announced that I have a new solo podcast coming out in November called Movie Crush. Uh the show where I interview your favorite people about their favorite movie. And that's the long and short of it. It's really cool. I've had a bunch of guests in the studio uh, and just had a nice chat about movie fandom in general and what their favorite movie is and why. And I need more guests. So if you are a stealthy celebrity listener, if you're an actor or a writer or producer, uh, director, if you're a musician if you are a book author, I've had all kinds of people in the studio, and that's kind of the point, is to hear from uh, from neat folks of all walks of life. If you are out there and you want to be on Movie Crush, I would love, love, love to have you. Um, if you're in Atlanta or going through Atlanta with a movie project, that's great. If not, we have partner studios in L.A. and New York, uh, and we can work it out if you live in... Uh, a flyover state even let's say <laughs> so hit me up just send me an email to moviecrush at howstuffworks.com and put in the subject line "Movie Crush guest and and I'll know it's you and I appreciate it it's a lot of fun trust me and um, here's to recording podcasts together thanks welcome to stuff you should know from howstuffworks.com
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry over there. And this is Stuff You Should Know. Come on aboard the Rolling Jubilee. Yes, not to be (laughs) confused with the Jamboree, which is what the Boy Scouts do. Yeah, Rolling Jubilee sounds so fun, and for a lot of people it is. Yeah, unless you're like a Wall Street shark who hates seeing uh, lower-income people get out from under debt miraculously. It's a great time for everybody.
1: I, I honestly didn't know much about this thing, so good. Pick. I didn't
0: either. Yeah, I actually i saw a um i saw it in the sidebar while I was looking for an article to, to do, um, and I I was like I have no idea what that is, so let me check it out, and it was just one of those hidden gems, if you will.
1: Yeah. Should we talk? Let's talk about debt, baby.
0: Yeah, and I want to say like this is. Uh, largely about the rolling jubilee but we're going to scratch the surface of the consumer debt secondary market mm-hmm. i would love to do one on just debt and debt collection and just this this the the whole industry and the i guess the whole massive ball of wax sometimes the business of debt yeah and like you know how it, in what cases it's actually good to have and like how it kind of powers the economy all that stuff did we ever do one on bankruptcy no. All right. Well, we
1: should put one of those in there too.
0: Yeah, we got a lot to do. Left. We have a lot left to do.
1: More work to be done. Yep. All right. So let's. In this case, we're talking about consumer debt. Uh, in the United States, it is a um, an astounding number and problem.
0: Is that fair to say? <laughs> I would say that's yes. I I think that might even be an understatement. Although. So as of this, when this article was written, which appears to be about December of 2012, mm-hmm. it was a bigger problem than that it is now from what I'm seeing.
1: Uh Well, I have a, a higher number now than then. Okay, go ahead. Well, the number I see, well, the, the original number from 2012 was 11.44 trillion. Tril- trillion. The number I got today was 12.73
0: trillion. I saw 12.29 trillion. Okay. Well, which is still, I mean, that's yours is almost a trillion dollars more in four years. I'm sure those are, so that's 2017 numbers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that would explain mine was Q2 of 2016. Oh, so that is the distant past. A trillion dollar <laughs> increase in five years. That's all of the household debt, credit cards, mortgages, um, car loans, uh, Old medical bills, all that stuff. Student loans, big part of it. Yeah, that's a big one too. That all households have in the United States, right? Yes. As of 2017. I'm hats off to you, man. I could not find 2017 numbers.
1: Yeah. So here's the thing. Debt, uh, if you talk to someone who knows finance, they will say like debt is not the worst thing in the world. It's not like being in debt. It's got to be the right kind of debt, like owing a ton of money to high interest credit cards. Is not good by any measure. Right. Um, Emily and I got smart when we uh, – I think I've told this story. When we bought our house, we had a bunch of stupid credit card debt. Mm-hmm. And this was – she's 12 or so years ago. And what we did because they were giving away money back then foolishly. Mm-hmm. uh and this could have bought us in the butt i guess if we hadn't have you know gotten jobs and been able to afford payments but we rolled all that credit card debt into our home loan so we literally paid off every cent of it and told each other we're never going to go into credit card debt again right and since that day and it was tough we have never not paid off a credit card in full at the end of every month
0: yeah we, we, um, almost always pay them off too. And it's like just, just the best feeling to be able to look at that stuff and be like, Oh wow, I'm not like dying here. Well, yeah. And to be able to kind of give the finger
1: to a credit card company <laughs> right. and say, I'm using you for what you're supposed to be used for, which is to pay for things easier, but to not mortgage my life away with ridiculous interest rates. Because I'm buying stuff I don't need and can't pay for.
0: Right, and you know thanks, I mean? thanks for the sky miles chumps.
1: <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, all right, so that's bad debt. There are all kinds of bad debt, but you know, debt's not the worst thing in the world to have. What's bad is delinquent debt.
0: Right, and yeah, so there is, like you were saying, I think good debt to have if you live in a consumer based uh, economy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, debt kind of makes makes the world go round. But yes, delinquent debt is is across the board, bad debt for almost everybody involved.
1: Yeah. And about 10% of the debt in the U.S. is
0: delinquent debt. See, this is where I saw a major drop, actually. Oh, okay. So is it not that high anymore? No, man. Like by half. Oh, wow. Yeah. As uh, again, I found Q2 of 2016, but it was in this article that was written in 2012, it says 1.06 trillion is delinquent. Uh huh. I saw in 2016 it was $589 billion, Oh, well, that's in the right direction. And that about three-quarters of that uh, was um, super delinquent, although I think they call it seriously delinquent. I like super delinquent more. Or way delinquent. Or, oh, my
1: God. Which means three months, 90 days late or more. Probably, not in all cases, but probably delinquent to the point where you're you're not going to pay it.
0: Right. But, but, so there are in there, the banks, as anyone who's ever owed a bill longer than 90 days knows, banks and lenders of any sort will just be like, here, 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 collection agency, go take this. And if you can get something out of them, we'll split what you get. Right. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're in this cycle because collection agencies, that's their business, right? Lenders lend money, collection agencies try to go get money that's owed, right? They're like a different ilk altogether. And there's actually different kinds of levels of that, as we'll see. But you're you're in the machine, and your life's going to be made unpleasant by the people who are trying to collect on those bills, right? Yeah. What the Rolling Jubilee, which we're talking about today, what that does is they have entered the debt collection industry, but rather than trying to collect on debt— They are buying debt and forgiving it. Yeah.
1: So here's what can happen. Back up a second. Let's say you owe a ton of money on a a bad credit card and you have been delinquent for a little while and you call up that credit card company and you say, you know what? I want to pay this. I spent this money, but your interest rate is really bad. And can you work with me on this interest rate and get it down to a point? And they'll stop you right there and say, oh, sir or ma'am. I'm sorry, but we don't own your debt anymore. And you go, huh? And you say, no, 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 no. We sold that debt to an investor. And you go, huh? And if you don't know that this is how this works, then, well, you didn't pay attention during the mortgage crisis Mm -hmm. because that's basically what that was, bundling debt to an investor, bundling loans, um, mortgages, bad debt into securities that are then sold to those investors who buy it, Really, really cheap with the idea that they can then go out and collect on a portion of that to make a big profit.
0: Right. And we'll like we'll get into the details a little a little more in a minute. But the the Jubilee itself, the idea of buying debt, entering that industry and buying debt, but rather than trying to make a profit, like you were saying, but just to forgive that debt so that the people who owe the money don't have that burden any longer. Um, that is the whole point behind it. And if you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this sounds like some sort of plot out of maybe Occupy Wall Street, well, then you (laughs) would be a 100% correct because at Zuccotti Park in, I think, 2011, the idea for doing this was bandied about. And there was a guy named Thomas Gorker who was there at one of these conversations. And he went on to found... This thing called Strike Debt, which is an offshoot organization from o- Occupy Wall Street. And Strike Debt has this project called Rolling Jubilee. Um, so it's a direct outcropping of uh, Occupy Wall Street.
1: Yeah, uh, this is in 2012 when um, Strike Debt was finally launched. And the whole deal with Occupy Wall Street was basically protesters getting together and saying, well, you'll bail out banks to the tune of billions and trillions of dollars. But the banks don't then turn in turn say, well, we're going to forgive consumer debt as well since we were bailed out. They'll bail out the big mm-hmm. banks, but the consumer is still uh, in big trouble. And so the idea of of the Rolling Jubilee and Project uh, Strike Debt was mm-hmm. a bailout of the 99% by the 99%.
0: Yeah. And there was there's one facet to that um, lopsided bailout situation too that I think you left out, which is. The banks are getting the bailouts from the government, but the government's getting that money from the taxpayers. Yeah. And very frequently, those taxpayers who actually gave the money to bail out the banks are the same ones that the banks mm-hmm. are turning the thumbscrews on. Sure. So they're basically saying, thanks for the bailout money. Give us the money you actually owe us individually now. Yeah. And, yeah, Occupy had a big problem with that. And I think for good reason, frankly, if I can go on record for saying that.
1: Yeah. So um, I agree. The Rolling Jubilee, as far as structure goes, uh, they have – and we're not going to get too much in the weeds on this – but they have a board of directors and then volunteers who are not paid a cent. Uh, originally, they had um, brokers and – well, they still have brokers and web developers uh, who have been paid but well, well below market value. They're not completely donating their time in all cases, but they're getting paid a penance uh, for this cause of what they normally would.
0: Right, like um, pre-wrapped – uh, cooler sandwiches money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the kind, not even like, like a recognizable brand yeah. of sandwich that you buy in like a, a bodega or a convenience store. Just. You know, somebody's last name with, like, a, a a poorly drawn, like, logo next to it that's overprinted so it's smudgy. And you can't even really see what the logo's supposed to be. That is the kind of sandwiches these people are able to buy with the money they're getting from the Rolling Jubilee.
1: Yeah, where there is no discernible difference between the meat and the bread. They've just coalesced into one <laughs> right. lumpy, moist unit. Yeah. Oh, I know. gross so many people out there with that word combination. Moist? Yeah. Moist unit. (laughs) (laughs) Moist, lumpy unit. Is that what I said? Wow. Um, Should we take a break so soon?
0: After moist, lumpy unit? Yeah. Yeah. All
1: right. Let's do that, and we'll come back and talk a little bit about the origins of the word jubilee.
0: 300,000 plus travel experiences to choose from means you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. That's
1: right. You can also enjoy real traveler reviews to get insider information from people who've already been on the experience that you're considering. Plus, you get free cancellation that helps you plan for the unexpected.
0: Yeah, and Viator offers 24-7 customer service, so you know you'll get support at any hour if things aren't going as planned. So download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find the perfect travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All
1: right, Josh. Uh, I kind of thought Jubilee meant Jamboree because I'm a big dum-dum sometimes.
0: Hey, I'm right there with you. Uh,
1: But it is not true. It actually comes from the Bible, uh, specifically the book of Leviticus. Um, I'm not sure which one. I used to know all those in order. I could rattle them off. Genesis, a third book of the Bible, I think, right? Like I know. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Numbers, I do Deuteronomy, know. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. First and second Samuel. Man, Ruth. There's a book of Ruth. Yeah. Some of that stuff really just comes right back into my, my pee brain. I didn't know that. So anyway, in Leviticus and the Old Testament, um, uh, Jubilee is actually an English variation of the Hebrew word Jobel, J-O-B-E-L, which means ram's horn. And this is how you would, you would blow in this horn dun, dun, nah, and announce the <laughs> signal of the
0: year of the Jubilee. Right, which came, I saw every 49 years. Apparently, this article says every 50 years. Okay. Roughly every half of a century, let's just say, right? And so they blow the ram's horn, and that was a big deal. Sure. So... According to Leviticus, uh, Leviticus 25, I guess, which is uh, some section, the 25th section or verse or what, chapter? <laughs> chapter 25. Is it chapter? Okay. Yeah, it goes chapter then verse. Okay, so um, the, ch- the 25th chapter of Leviticus basically says, um, here's how you do uh, Jubilee. And everyone who is a member of the House of Israel, all the Israelites, right, um, are to have their debts forgiven. So if you are an indentured servant, you were freed. Yeah. Or if you said, I'm a farmer, but I can't pay this debt. Um, I really, I lost all my, all my, um, I, I lost the farm on a bunch of magic beans because this is, you know, the, um, before the common era and people thought magic beans were a real thing, you would give that person who, who sold you the magic beans your farm. Um, as as collateral, basically, and you would lose the farm. But during Jubilee year, you could get that farm back. You were given that farm back, restored your land, like all debts were forgiven.
1: Yeah, it's basically God saying, I'm a liberal hippie. Mm-hmm. Every 50 years, we're going to wipe the slate clean. Uh, here's what we don't know for sure is if this really happened.
0: Right. You can tell, like, the, the Israelites were like, oh yeah, good idea, Yahweh. That's a great one. Nice idea, God. Right. And then just were, just kind of didn't bring it up again. Yeah. Do you
1: think he noticed? <laughs>
0: right. Uh, so we're not sure if that actually happened, but there are
1: records in history, uh, of other, uh, cultures that did this sort of clean slate tradition. Uh, they have records, uh, under Hammurabi in Babylonia, mm-hmm. uh, in Egypt under Ptolemy. Uh, and even the Rosetta Stone has a Jubilee proclamation recorded from 196 BCE.
0: Right. So it did happen. Which, think about this, Chuck. That is really heartening that, like, pretty early on, I guess, in the agrarian system, once people settled down and all of a sudden you had, like, surpluses and in- income inequality and economic strata, um, you... You also had the idea that debts should be forgiven too. Like it it was a natural outcropping of that because there, there, that thing, that wouldn't exist prior to those things. Because if you're a hunter gatherer, you can't go into debt. It's not possible. You're responsible for your own, you know, food gathering and all that. So the idea that it just kind of naturally emerged out of it. I I find that heartening. It makes me, it gives me faith in humanity again,
1: or at least humanity from hundreds and thousands of years ago. right. Uh, so the idea with those jubilees, it was like we said, once every forty nine or fifty years. The idea of a rolling jubilee, the word rolling just means it's an ongoing thing. Uh, and so therefore they named it uh, rolling jubilee, which just uh, to me still sounds like a, a party on a on a farm with people selling
0: uh, whippets out of plastic bags. Right. On ecstasy, hence the rolling part. <laughs> That's right. So um, this is how it works, right? You got the Rolling Jubilee started. I think they started with a benefit concert, and they managed to raise like five hundred grand, like pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, back in two thousand twelve. And what they did was they they looked around and they identified like how this was happening. They 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 knew that there were people who were in debt, and that the people that they owed the money to weren't even collecting any longer. Right. That there was uh, that what had developed was. A secondary consumer debt market, right? And you kind of went over it a little bit. I think it bears like, like fleshing out. Yeah. I mean, it's a little hard to wrap your head around if you're uh, not in this world. No, but and I don't
1: mean if you live on a different planet, but <laughs> in the world of finance,
0: if you're rolling on a farm, <laughs> yeah, you, exactly. uh, you may have a hard time wrapping your head around this. Yeah. But, but the, uh, the basis of it is this, right? So you go to a lender and you say, um, lend me some money. And if you fall behind on your payments, um, after a certain amount of time, I think you, what'd you say, three months?
1: Well, it kind of varies,
0: but sure, it could be. You're in, you have reached this level, like a, a new level of delinquency and banks say, that's it you're done, we're we're not collecting from you anymore, you're a loss, and we're writing you off. And they do this, actually, because back in the 1980s up to 1994, the savings and loan crisis, which were, you know, the savings and loan banks were the place you went to go get a mortgage in America. Yeah. And because they were overregulated from the interest rates they could charge, uh, the banks started engaging in, like, risky investment behavior because in that sense they were under-regulated and they lost a bunch of money. Well, one of the outcroppings of the savings and loan crisis was that there was some really, really shady accounting going on. And it was actually one of the first, one of the early bailouts. It was like $125 billion bailout, which in 1994, that was an astounding amount of money. Trump changed today. Sure it is. But at the time, that was a huge deal. So it was a taxpayer bailout of these banks that had engaged in risky behavior. And stop me if this is starting to sound familiar. But it was largely because there was... They were able to get away with it and the problem got to be so big because the accountants were keeping these bad assets on the books. Yeah. So debt to you is an asset to the bank. It's something that they've got, they've got money they can collect on from you, right? But these delinquent assets that they had, um, were being kept on the books to make it look like there was a lot that the banks were a lot more flush than they were. So after the savings and loan crisis, The government stepped in and said, you guys can't do that anymore. If you have a delinquent account on your books after, say, 90 days, you have to write it off. But whoa, whoa, whoa. You're the banks and we love you and we want you to be happy and prosperous at all times. So we're going to give you a tax deduction for that too. Yeah. And they say, well, okay, what do we have to do after we write it off? And the government says, do whatever you want. Sell it. We don't care. But you have to write it off and you can take a tax deduction. And then, yeah, if you want to sell it, do. And that's where the secondary consumer debt market was born.
1: Yeah, and if you think that sounds uh, like a pretty sweetheart deal, it gets even better because sometimes when they bundle this uh, debt together and sell it to people who think they can go out uh, – or firms usually – who can go out and make money by just recovering, like we said, just a portion of this stuff, mm-hmm. of these debts, uh, they will then do the the loan deal with that uh, firm as well and – Make an additional, uh, amount of money as a lender.
0: Yeah, they finance the purchase of that debt that they're selling to the person. <laughs> it's crazy, man. <clears throat> so weird how things work in this country. And <laughs> weird is one way to put it for sure. And the, um, the, the you said it you said that they bundled this stuff right like they did with mortgage backed securities they bundled mortgages together and then sliced them up and sold like basically them as shares right this is a little different but there's also bundling going on but rather than just sell each debt individually the banks will take say you know all of the ones that they they're doing that day or that week or that month or whatever that they've written off and they'll bundle it together into what's called a portfolio and then they'll sell that portfolio for Pennies on the dollar. Yeah, we're talking like it can be. You can you can spend like one dollar
1: to buy thirty two up to thirty two dollars worth of debt. Let's say.
0: Yeah, I think that's about as good as you can get. That's the best I've seen. I've seen anywhere from ten cents on the dollar to yeah, a one, a one to thirty two ratio. Yeah, which is I mean,
1: that's a great. uh On one hand, it's super cheap, but it's very risky still because what you're doing again is buying debt that you
0: may or may not be able to collect on. Right, exactly. And so like the whole industry is based on the idea that you'll be able to collect some of the um debts that are in this portfolio and that you'll probably only be able to to um collect on a portion of the debts that you do collect on. So some out of the gate the people just aren't going to pay you no matter how much you call them and harass them. They're just not going to pay that debt. And if it's small enough that it doesn't make any sense to spend the money taking them to court, there's just nothing you can do about that. If they're like, I'm on year six of this, this debt being reported on my credit. I'm not about to pay now because once I make it to year seven, you guys can't do anything about it any longer except to call me. They're not going to pay. Um, but there's going to be some in that portfolio where Either the people just want to pay to get you to stop calling. It, the debt is big enough that you could conceivably take them to court, uh, or for other reasons. So there's going to be some in there that you can collect on. And then when you do collect on those, you're going to collect less usually than the full face value of the debt,
1: right? Yeah. They'll offer a deal. Let's say, uh, like, Hey, you're behind on your debt. And what they're, what they're usually doing is trying to target people who, um, were maybe in financial trouble and are now pulling themselves out of financial trouble right rather than going after the debt that they like you said just probably have no shot at getting uh but now hey you got a job again you're making a little dough mm-hmm. um pay us back like 50% and we'll call it square and the people think uh well you know that sounds like a good deal to me um I'll I'll just go ahead and take that 50% deal
0: right exactly sometimes they they apparently people are are like wow, that was a really generous thing you're doing here by offering me to just to to absolve my debt for just half of it, you know. But again, those people may have paid three cents on the dollar for that debt. But you're about to give them 50 cents on the dollar. right? So they're making out like bandits. And again, there's something slippery and eel like and clammy. About the fact that you're having to deal with these people who you never even borrowed the money from, you don't know these people from Adam, sure, if you'll forgive the biblical thing right <laughs> um and and now, like you're you're they're inspiring this sense of like gratitude in you for just you know charging you for fifty percent of that debt that they had nothing to do with originally. they just bought on some secondary market,
1: yeah, and I mean the whole thing is slippery to me because. On one hand, like, uh, targeting, uh, poor people who maybe lost their job due to circumstances beyond their control. Yeah. It's not going to help uh, any, it's not going to help anyone to keep them poor. It's not going to help the nation or the economy. But then there are also people who were very irresponsible with their money and bought too much stuff and said, you know what, I, I don't want to pay for this. I'll yes. file for bankruptcy. Or uh, I'll just I'll just I don't care about my credit rating any
0: longer. I'll just go ahead and, and not pay it. Sure. The thing is, though, is for years and years now, the second group of people that you you pointed out mm-hmm. have been used to excuse mistreatment of that first group. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no real separation. It's like, oh, they're both debtors. So they, you know, unfortunately, they all deserve it.
1: Yeah. And here's the deal with the Rolling Jubilee. They will, uh, like we said, the whole idea is they will uh, try and purchase these debt packages just like these firms do. Um, I think they gave an example of one of the firms. Uh, like there's one called Encore Capital Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's just one example. Um, I think in 2012, they spent $47 million to buy $1.1 billion worth of debt uh, to make a lot of money on. And they you know their aim in what they did in that case was recovered about three times what they invested through these settlements with the debtors. So, right, let's say they made you know three point two or you know three and a half billion bucks off that forty seven million dollar investment.
0: Oh no, they would have made like one hundred and fifty million. They just bought a billion dollars worth of debt. Oh okay, you yeah, yeah, what yeah I'm gotcha. profit. Okay, yeah, I understand. yeah, but that's still, I mean, that's substantial for one quarter. Yeah. For basically just saying, hey, we'll take over the harassing phone calls from here, everybody.
1: Yeah, and this is – you know, they basically – like the banks have given up on this because they don't have – they would have to spend way too much money to not become bankers any longer and to become bankers slash debt collection agencies. So so they've just given up on trying to collect where these other people are like, no, we do this – this is what we do, so we'll take it.
0: exactly. And again, they're required – banks or lenders are required by law to write off – delinquent accounts after a certain number of days. So even if they wanted to keep collecting on it, they can't.
1: Yeah, that's right. So with the Rolling Jubilee, they're, and we'll talk about a little bit how they do this, uh, but they buy this debt, uh, forgive it, like we said, but it's not like you can't – if you're someone who is in trouble, you can't contact the Rolling Jubilee and say, please buy my debt uh, because it's all lumped together. Um, they do help people and families – but a lot of times they don't even know who these people are. Sometimes they do. And if they have their personal information, they will then contact them and say your debt is forgiven. Um, but because it's a rolling jubilee, what we would like you to do now is, is donate a little bit of money back to the cause because your debt is forgiven. And I'm not, I wonder what their numbers are for stuff like that.
0: Extraordinarily low
1: for people donating then afterward.
0: Yeah, so so not only donating, but like getting back in touch. Apparently, um, I read this interview with uh, Thomas Gorky, and they asked him that very question. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like how, what kind of response are you getting from people? And and so they've got everybody's personal information. Um, they just don't have it until they buy the portfolio, right? Yeah. So they'll send everyone in that portfolio a letter saying, "Here's the amount of debt that you no longer owe. We bought your debt. It's it's being abolished," and. I think most people are like, is this a scam? Are, are you like trying to get my social security number yeah, or something totally. like that? So they're just totally ignoring this letter. And they say, no, we're the Roland Jubilee. <laughs> <which> <laughs> right. It doesn't help matters. No, it doesn't. Cause they're like, like the Boy Scouts. <laughs> right. But the, um, but regardless of whether those people get back in touch, what, regardless of whether they donate to the cause or not, their debt is still forgiven because The the rolling jubilee or strike debt makes this point that this is not like they're they're not their goal isn't to decide well who who really do who who deserves this they can't make that judgment because when they buy a portfolio they have no idea who the individuals are in there they just know that these people um owe money and that the likelihood since they're delinquent on their debt that they either are experiencing a a, a time when they're down in their luck or are getting out of a time when they're down in their luck. That is enough. That's that's good enough for for strike debt to to justify buying their debt and, and abolishing it.
1: Well, yeah. And not only that, but Rolling Jubilee and strike debts goal isn't they're not saying we're going to solve the consumer debt crisis or even we're going to solve when we'll talk about student loans more in a minute, but yeah. we're going to solve the student loan problem. They're literally just saying we're going to Solve a tiny fraction of this, but what our real aim is, is to raise awareness because you just, you can protest all you want, but you simply can't ignore a real program like this.
0: Right, exactly. Cause it gets a lot of press too, you know? Oh, sure. So let's take one more break, Chuck, and then we'll come back with more on this. <music> and you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold
1: pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com and we even have a special offer, don't we Josh?
0: Yeah, text stuff to two five one two nine two eighty eight eighty seven, and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. <laughs> Okay, we're back. We're back. So um, apparently, Chuck, initially they were really worried about how they were going to be able to kind of come into this industry because it was a pretty tight-knit industry. Yeah, like when a bank goes to sell debt, it's not like
1: they place a want ad and say, well, who's out there? Like they know who's out there. They know who these firms are, and they have trusted which is kind of a funny way to say it, uh, working relationships with these firms.
0: Right. So they were thinking like, well, we need to have people on the inside buying debt for us. It's the only way they're gonna ever let us do this. Yeah. We have to we have to sneak around and do it. The way this article puts it is um they had uh, sheep in wolves' clothing. Yes. Buying debt for them on behalf of this rolling jubilee, right? Mm-hmm. So this, again, this article was written in 2012. Apparently that did not pan out at all. Yeah, I would say so. As they got more into it, they almost became amazed at the willingness of this, uh, secondary debt industry, uh, to, to sell to them knowing that they were going to abolish it or not caring uh, to find out whether they were abolishing it or who they were or what they were doing. Yeah. Which means that, yeah, this industry is so inscrupulous. It doesn't even look out for itself. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So they, they, um, I think as they got further into it too, and this may have actually developed since 2012 as well. This is, um, this industry is has spread even more, I think it's a little less tight knit than it, it once was. yeah, there's a lot of brokers that are set up where they're the ones that are dealing with the banks and then turning around and selling it on behalf of the banks and then taking a little cut of whatever the portfolio goes for right mm mm-hmm. But then there's also like websites that do the same thing. Just like you have an online stockbroker, there are websites where you or I, Chuck, can put together a thousand dollars and go buy a portfolio that was worth like ten to thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) if you want to really stick it to your fellow man, um, go do that. Go start doing that because it's something you can do online now. That is correct. All right. So will this work is the big question.
1: Uh, it certainly will work with awareness, but uh, as far as raw numbers go, as of today, um which is what, October, was it the 4th, 5th? Uh, it's the 4th. October 4th, 2017, they have raised uh $701,317, which this is a few hours ago, so it's more than that probably by now. Yeah. And they have forgiven about $32 million total to date, which, like we said, is a not even a fraction what's below a fraction
0: an uh, infinitesimal amount an infinitesimal amount
1: did i say infinitesimal i think i just made up a word but it kind of
0: works it's so infinitesimal it's invisible <laughs> that's
1: right uh it's such a small amount that it it makes no dent in the problem really except to those individuals and families who are like oh well this really worked out for me but uh 32 million bucks is raising awareness uh which is a good thing
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Again, like there was a huge thing in 2012 when they first announced it, it was everywhere, right? Everybody was talking about it. Uh, they got another bump in 2014. I can't remember what happened. Um, but then I think either this year or last year they made the rounds with media again by buying debt from, um, something called Corinthian colleges, Uh which is a for-profit college. Um, like, company corporation yeah yeah i saw i saw some of that and thomas gorky called them he said that they were uh quote the worst of the worst and they have just tons of lawsuits against them um for um uh, just all manner of activities yeah uh and the rolling jubilee got something like bought like three and a half million dollars worth of debt from them and this would be student loan debt yes Um, and the reason that they were able to do student loan debt is because these are, this is a for-profit college. So this wouldn't have been federal student loan debt. Yeah. Like
1: 90% of student loans are from the federal government and they, uh, the federal government does not sell their debt.
0: No. So if you have a student loan, you're. Through the federal government, like, the rolling jubilee is never going to be able to help you. No. At least not directly like that. But that also raises one of the, like, longstanding criticisms against this idea. If you are against the entire, like, predatory lending idea of um the banking industry and the secondary market, the, the whole thing, this whole icky mess, right? You're going to criticize – um strike debt for contributing to it they're they're throwing money into yeah, it even though they're uh-huh, sure even though they're like a, abolishing debt they're still giving money for it right yeah and so strike debt's whole thing is like hey man <laughs> the level that we're operating on is so small that we couldn't possibly affect the market yeah like in their
1: in their wildest dreams they could uh, affect the market such where they could drive up the price and really compete as a as a as a top dog in the industry and maybe even drive some of those other firms out of business. And like that will never, ever happen.
0: No. And they also point out that like banks have to sell this stuff anyway, or they have to get rid of it anyway. Yeah. Um, By law, they have to write it off. So this, this debt was going to be, was going to be sold one way or another. And they also try to buy debt at that really lucrative stage, lucrative for the debt collectors where you, you have been more than 90 days delinquent for about a year right. so you probably went through that rough patch like you were talking about Chuck uh-huh. but now you the, the likelihood that maybe you got a job again and you're starting to like get your debt under control and are therefore amenable to a, um, an offer of just paying half yeah um that's the kind of debt they're trying to buy because that's the, those are the people who are most vulnerable to this kind of, um, this industry, right? So they're saying all this is going to happen anyway. And we're not affecting the, the, the debt that people are, are paying. And we're not really helping the banking industry any more than they would have been helped anyway. Right. The thing that sticks to me though is, I, and I couldn't find this. Did you see if they bought that debt from Corinthian colleges directly? Oh, I don't know. Because if so, then they were they were paying money to Corinthian colleges. Right. Um, and I could see that that criticism just being there because Corinthian college um, or any for profit university uh, isn't required to write off bad debts. So well, they yeah. wouldn't be forced to do that if they My bought from them directly.
1: They also work with a lender. Uh, that's just a guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to speak
0: to that. Well, I saw that. I saw this one site that basically was teaching individual investors how to go get into this. And one of the things they suggested was go hang out at small claims court. And when you, when a company comes in and they're taking some debtor to court to collect, um, on a debt, just go up to them after court and be like, Hey, let me handle this. Just sell me all your debts, bundle them together and I'll buy it from you. Wow. So people do go directly to companies that have have like bad debts on their books um, so it's possible they did go to Corinthian College. I, I didn't see that one hmm. one way or the other.
1: Very interesting.
0: And then there was one other thing that was kind of an early concern that apparently didn't pan out and that was that whether or not the government could consider this debt abolishment as income for the person who owed the debt Oh and, wow! and would therefore owe taxes on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so apparently, Occupy Wall Street strike debt got with some lawyers, uh-huh. and um the lawyers said it is our professional opinion that this would not qualify as income, and so they these people should not owe any tax burden and so far no one's no one's had no one's gotten a tax bill for their tax being abolished by strike debt. It's so convoluted it's a little convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else? No, I think that's it, man. Uh, let's see if you want to know more about the rolling Jubilee, go check out this article on how stuff works. It's a good one. Grab your banjo. Yep. And, um, since, uh, I keep an ear out eventually for like just a larger debt episode. Cause it is interesting and weird. Um, and since I said weird, it's time for Chuck. Administrative details. Beautiful.
1: Beautiful. This is part two, where we thank people for their lovely gifts and the kindnesses that they bestow upon us. All right, I'm going to start with Emily Winfield. She sent a, uh, well, she sent me a Reformed Bedwetters Society patch. (laughs) I'm on record as a uh, late bedwetter, and I've always championed people uh, not being
0: ashamed of that. So apparently Emily was, and she made a patch. It's really cool. That's amazing. I got to see that one. I didn't see it. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Jackson Harder sent us a jigsaw puzzle postcard. I appreciate that. Thanks, Jackson. David Velasquez and
1: Samantha Penna sent uh, another wedding invite.
0: Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, mazel tov. Uh Nick Sokol sent us a bunch of great stuff from Korea. Thank you very much for that. Jonathan Beale sent us uh, handmade copper
1: flasks from his company, uh, sertodo.com, S-E-R-T-O-D-O,
0: mm-hmm. stuff you should drink copper flasks they are Mm -hmm. beautiful yep uh terry m has a daughter named chuck uh who wrote us a very kind thank you note about the hiv episode and we want to say terry we hope your friend's partner is doing well
1: absolutely uh chris wecht of carlton brewery in new jersey well he
0: sent us beer thank you ryan and chloe sent us a montreal postcard thank you carolyn cross uh she
1: was very moved by the M uh, the MS episode because her mom had MS, so she sent some sponge candy from Buffalo, New York to make me feel better about my friend Billy.
0: Nice. That was very sweet. It was. Uh Connor T sent us some candy, uh, sent us some Smarties and a nice letter. Thanks, Connor T.
1: Sarah Van Dong or Van Donge, D O N G E, sent us her book. I Love, Love, Walla Walla. It's her book about loving Walla Walla,
0: Washington. (laughs) Uh, Alexander Pepe, thanks for the thank you note. Uh, And you're welcome for helping you kick your Diet Coke habit. That's right.
1: Uh, Julia Deckman sent us, uh, well, sent some hand-painted pictures. Uh, For me, it was uh, pictures of uh, my dear departed dogs, Buckley and Mm -hmm. LaRon. For you, she sent you one, uh, Charleston Hospitality, Mm -hmm. which was a painting of the Belmont and Queen, street grocery yep. and for Jerry sent her one of a pink peony and uh, you can go to buy by uh, to check out her work and since then we have paid her Jesus so sad paid her for portraits of Loran, and we're about to commission another one for the wizard so the core four will be represented by Julia deckman's art in our
0: household nice work uh, Carolyn, and I'm not even gonna attempt your last name, Carolyn. I'm just gonna spell it. S-W-I-S-Z-C-Z. That's Swizzle Stick. Put that together <laughs> with a dot com and it will take you to her site, which has her awesome zine, uh, featuring us called The Dread, appropriately enough. Uh, Jordan Pearson from Canada sent us some
1: Canadian chips, uh, lace ketchup and old Dutch ketchup chips. Nice. Sans gluten is what it says, because it's French Canada. Uh, and also, Jordan had the
0: nicest handwriting I think I've ever seen. Yeah, oh, yeah, thanks a lot for that. Nice handwriting these days, is that, that'll take you far. Yes, it will. In the past. Um, let's see, and then Catherine from Velodrome sent us some CDs. Thanks a lot for that, Catherine. Uh, Matthew
1: Grubb sent us his first children's book called Tommy P. Tinker and the Super Duper Rare 1892 Bottle Cap.
0: Nice. And then we want to thank Max from Chirps Chips who sent us some Chirps Chips. Remember in our, um, our, uh, crickets episode? Mm-hmm. Crickets, um, food, well, eating crickets basically. Um, we mentioned Chirps and they heard it and they said, here guys, try this. Did you try them yet? I have yet to try it. I think we should try it like on Facebook live or something like that. Oh, that's a good idea. You know? Uh, Jake Moore, and that is with one
1: O, sent us his hot sauce. Spank you very much. <laughs> is the name of the hot sauce. I'm not just being cheeky.
0: Nice.
1: And then that's that's all I've got written down. You got any more? I just got one more, Matthew from Minnesota sent us his joke book, uh The River of
0: Wahaha. Great. I love a good joke book. Great. Well, thanks everybody for sending us stuff and if you want to send us stuff, we always are grateful for it. Um you can get in touch with us via Twitter I'm at Josh Um Clark, and the official handle is S-Y-S-K Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff Know or slash Charles W. Chuck Bryant. You can send us all an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.